Passive or even distant. But you know, sometimes why is the key. A key that can unlock so much to our lives. Join me as we explore the why with fascinating contributors to the world. Those that entertain us, inform us, teach us about life, and if we're lucky, inspire the next in all of us. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and welcome to Headroom, a production of Rainlight and co-produced by Old Soul. Let's go. What a treat. I will confess here at the outset that I'm a diehard sports fan, and so I've been watching Michelle Beadle for years. Not, not to be, I think I'm coming across wrong, but Michelle, <laughs> I've, been a bit, I've been a big fan of you, and primarily your outspokenness, your willingness to have commentary in a world where I think PC and branding, and it, it always feels like it has to be a line, or that's the perception, that's the fear that it has to be. But yeah. you've got big news coming out, and we're going to talk about that, but let's just start with this. So I think people are curious about where you have been over the last couple of years. <laughs> Right. So not that this is a where's Waldo, but in essence, where have you been over the last couple of years? But more importantly, what have you learned about yourself and more specifically your place in the ecosystem of popular culture and sports? Because it feels as if that has to be a challenge. It's it, You've got your persona, the way in which people think they know you. Right. Right. You come on screen and I feel like, OK, I know this individual, but we've never met before. How do you how do you decouple that? Right. So that you still have a sense of self in the two years, you know, that you have been sort of self-exploring or or thinking about what the next is. Yeah. I mean, that is that's what was crazy about it. I think my entire career um, very much wired like my dad in the sense that I think I always thought my job was me like that was my value. That's really all I brought. Like, you know, depending on where I was career wise, that's whether or not I was OK. And um, I never thought I would see anything differently because to me that wasn't wrong like that was just the way I viewed my life and so when I made the decision to leave ESPN um, oddly enough it wasn't that hard a decision um, just given everything that was going on so that that worked out but it was also more of a momentary panic because I didn't really know what I wanted to do next the only thing I knew for sure is I wanted to take a little bit of time off and travel which I did, um, came home, and then, of course, the pandemic hit, and the decision was made for me to just chill out for a while. And I think the thing that surprised me most about this entire experience, first of all, it's crazy to say two years. I mean, I guess now technically over two years. Like, even hearing you just say that, it doesn't feel like it's been two years, which is, I, you know, I, I should probably have seven novels to present and all that, but I really just embraced it because since I started this whole journey, um, I've worked a lot. Like I've worked a million different things that I could do. I worked as many jobs as I could do. Um, and so to just sort of do nothing, like get up in the morning and just be, took a minute to get used to. But oddly enough, I did get used to it and I really cherished it. It was great to be around family and friends. And, you know, it ultimately I made the decision, I don't know, six months ago to move back to San Antonio. That was never in the cards. I never even thought twice about living in Texas again. And I found myself thinking, why am I staying in LA? I don't have to be there anymore. Um, I had just bought, I just sold and bought another house in LA, literally within the six week period. And from here decided to put it on the market and buy a different house here. And I've never guided myself via a sort of road to happiness because I thought work was happiness. And this has been eye opening to say the least. Okay, so so Michelle, so you so you're back in Texas, right? You didn't think that yeah. you would be moving back to to San Antonio and to to your home state of Texas. Talk about the relationship with the fan or whatever the fan represented. You know, when you 
I know you're back with the San Antonio Spurs special correspondent and, and working back with them, and I'm sure that that brings a lot of joy in your life and sort of balances out the news that we'll talk about. But I was reading commentary even during that first game, and people were so effusive in their their praise and their excitement about the energy and the personality that you were bringing to the Spurs broadcast, and it made me think, how do you think about sort of re-engaging with an audience in that regard and what you right. want to contribute and maybe what you took for granted in the past or that you weren't really aware of? Well, because I think I, you know, I turned off commentary on my Twitter and stuff. I guess it's been a while now. And so I don't see the good or the bad, really, at this point, which is, I, I guess, the best of both worlds, so you don't sort of get swayed. But I can say that in person, having been in the arena and just that first game, I, I mean, I even texted my dad at one point and was like, this is the most overwhelming, warm welcome I could possibly ever fathom. I mean, people were just coming up. They didn't want anything. They literally just wanted to be like, welcome home, welcome back, we've loved you. Like, And it was, you know, I think we get so used to negative stuff, especially with all this crap that we have on our phones, that we forget that actually not everyone's awful. Some people have positive things to say, which is lovely to hear sometimes. And it was kind of a nice, I was nervous. Look, I was gone for over two years. People have whatever notion they have, wherever I've been, why I left, blah, blah, blah. I, that is what it is. Um, so to come back was sort of nerve wracking for me for it to have been that long. You know, if I'd come back after a couple of weeks, no big deal. We all just move on. But this long off felt like, oh, God, this is going to be weird. No one's going to want me there. And it was, I mean, I, I joked around that, like, I might be dying tonight because this was just way too nice <laughs> of a welcome from everyone. Um, what do I not know? <laughs> right, right. I'm like, do they know something I don't know about me? And, yeah, it's like Sean Elliott. I mean, after the even the second game, shot me a text and was like, just so happy to have you here. Welcome back. And it was a no-brainer. I mean, they gave me my start. They, they're the reason I did any of this in the first place. And so to do anything with them was like, yep, I'm in. And it's been it's been a great way to sort of ease my way back into this whole crazy world of television <laughs> and, and media. And so, yeah, I, I've liked it. I didn't plan it, but it has turned out to be exactly what I needed. And, and now we can add entrepreneur to your LinkedIn <laughs> profile, right, your your resume. Why why now for you? Is it an, an I want to preface that with saying or understanding your personal relationship with control. I think we all experience it at different phases of our lives to understand at what point can we speak up in the boardroom or we can't. And does that at some point start a divergent track that says at some point in my life, my journey, I want to call the shots, not because I want to be the boss, but right. because I have a creative difference or I want to understand what it means to be comfortable in my own skin and my own voice. Did that play a role in becoming an entrepreneur and, and, you know, talk about the launch of the podcast network. So we'll kind of revealing it here, but we've got the Beatle podcast network in, in a collaboration with the, with the athletic, but talk about that, the relationship with control and did, was that a driving force or how did that impact this decision at this point in time in your life? I mean, it's my whole, my whole career has just been, I'm a, I'm a hired talking head basically. And, and I have no complaints. Like, it's given me a nice life and all of that, but I've never owned anything. And I sort of look around and I watch the levitars of the world leave and Colin Cow, you know, they all went on and they started to own some of their stuff. And to me, that was always sort of an elusive idea. I never even really considered it because I was so used to what my role had been. And when this opportunity came up, you know, the idea that A, I get to do a podcast, which is I know a million people have podcasts because I've been quiet for so long. I just feel like it'll, it'll feel nice to chat again. But more importantly to me was the idea that I would actually 
have a part in cultivating something new, whether it be, you know, young up and coming voices that will never get a shot. Because really, at the end of the day, all of this, whether it be, you know, radio, television, podcasting, writing, it does involve a bit of luck and it does involve somebody opening a door that may not otherwise open. And I, I just think the idea of getting to do that for somebody else or hopefully several other people is exciting to me. I, I, I have no dreams of being like the boss. Like I'm not, I'm not really a authority figure in that sense, but I know great creative people and I love the idea that I get to surround myself with them again and I trust them and it will be fun to sort of go out there and find these new voices. There's, I mean, every day there's somebody putting something out there and you're just like, who's this person? And you kind of want to snatch them up before someone else does. And I think that'll be part of the challenge as well, but I, I like this idea and it's, yeah, I, I know how hard it is to get those first couple steps in or, or just get somebody to watch your reel or listen to you. Um, and so I, I hope I get to help someone. And who knows? Maybe I'll launch the next great human, and then I will have a small part in that history. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be nice. What, what, what do you forecast as the biggest challenge as an entrepreneur? Because, in, in, you know, inevitably, every entrepreneur, no matter what industry they're in, there's the, I'm so excited to do the thing that I love. Yep. And then that kind of hits, bumps up against reality. And there is a bit of a, a shuffling there and trying to find that natural fit, almost like you, you have a dance partner that doesn't have a name. <laughs> right. Uh, I think for me, it's going to be the, the trusting myself or trusting my gut. You know, ultimately, my name will be on it. So it'll, it'll fall on me whether or not it works. It'll be great to also sort of get this relationship with everybody, the athletic, because I'll be able to have their input and their feedback. And, you know, I'm hoping that I get to have as much freedom as one is allowed. I mean, at the end of the day, we still work for people, but it will be a much longer leash than I am used to having. So that for me is, is a freedom that I'm very much looking forward to. And, and, you know, my, my job, I'm not going out there to shock anyone. I just want to have a little bit of creative freedom, a little bit of freedom to voice my opinions, let somebody else do the same thing. Um, and maybe I'll surprise myself. I mean, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. It's a brand new endeavor I'm nervous, I'm scared, uh, but I am excited. And so I think that's probably ultimately why this whole thing, hopefully, <laughs> will work and be successful. And why, Michelle, the podcast as a medium, right? So people know that you're a recognizable face, right? This is how people have experienced you in the public eye, and you've chosen a medium where you will not have that. Right. <laughs> It'll be your yeah, voice. I don't have to shower. First of all, uh, that's alluring. Two years we've done, I've done nothing. I haven't done my hair. I haven't, done, I haven't put makeup on. Like all of a sudden I'm easing back into this whole, oh no, people see me. Um, but I also think for me, I have never done the podcast per se, but I did radio and radio was always just so much more free. I mean, I, I just, you know, you weren't sort of trapped in these seven minute segments. Then you had to get out hard outs and da, da, da. you had freedom to sort of think about a topic and talk about that topic and let that topic veer off into tangents. You know, you don't get to do that in TV. A lot of it's very, it's produced. There's an outline. You got to kind of follow that. And for me, the podcast represents that it's a, it's a much larger thought process and you can let it breathe and you can let conversation breathe. And, you know, I hope to reconnect with some of my old friends uh, via sports or comedy and just kind of shoot the bull and, and talk about sports and talk about what's going on in the world. I, I miss for me, that's what I miss. I miss the interaction that I used to have with people, not necessarily my face on a screen, but the actual feeding off of someone, just kind of ad-libbing and, and going from there. That part, I think, will be fun, and I think there'll be freedom in it that won't sort of be like, okay, we're done. We're in commercial break. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Great. 
you control the sandbox in that regard. Yeah, exactly. So yep. this first offering with the network is what did I miss, right, with your name in, in the title. So talk a little bit about that. That then says there's going to be there will be more offerings, right, more shows. Can you yeah. speak a little bit about the vision, even if you can't give some specifics, just as to what you envision the Beatle Podcast Network to represent in the same way, you know, I, I will admit, I, I listened to Bill Simmons and the Ringer on a regular basis and was excited when Ryan Rossillo, you know, migrated right. over. It was like, this guy's really good. Let's I get more of him than I would even in radio. So I, I can start to see that glide path of the Ringer. How do you envision it for your podcast network? I mean, that's the thing. I think we're none of us at this point are reinventing the wheel. This podcast machine is, is very well oiled and, and running very, very well. Um, and the people at the top are crushing it. So for me, it's more, I just want it to feel like my own thing. I want it to be, I, I've, um, I've reconnected with one of the original producers from back in the sports nation days, Gabe Goodwin, who is, um, very familiar with me. I'm very familiar with him. We get each other. We sort of know each other's humor. And I think that helps a lot. He's got people that he's bringing on board, which to me, it was on board. You know, you have all these conversations about, we want you to do this and this, and, and that's fine, but I'm never, I'm not comfortable being just myself. Like I need good people around me to feel like we're actually doing something funny or worthwhile. Um, and that's the part that I, <laughs> I'm craving the most, but yeah, I think it's just going to be, you know, I have missed a lot. I've, I've taken a legitimate break from watching a lot of sports at the beginning of my my hiatus, whatever you want to call it. Um, I picked up being a fan of other sports in the meantime. I've now picked up watching NFL again, which I had not done for about three years. Kind of fun to look at it through new, fresh eyes. Um, You sort of roll your eyes at some of the things that still exist, but at the same time, you're like, you know what? These are some new kids out there, and it's exciting, and, and I can't hold what I was angry about before against them, you know. I have to wait until they do something stupid and then we'll figure it out from there. But it's, it's kind of crazy. I never thought as a lifelong sports fan that I would have sort of a fresh hunger for sports again. And that's been good. Um, and you know, the F1 and some European league soccer and, and like, it's been, it's been crazy to sort of watch all that again and, and have a newfound respect and a newfound fandom. I mean, I went to an F1 event and I felt like a, like a fan. Like I, one of the drivers came out of his paddock and I went, ah! And I, I when's the last time any athlete made me go, ah, so that it was it was a very nice moment. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not completely jaded. So there's still there's still some good in me. I can do this. And so I'm excited about it. And then, you know, it doesn't always have to be just sports. There's tons of stuff going on on a daily basis. Um, and obviously, we're going to dissect succession. I keep throwing succession in there because I just want everyone to not be surprised when for 20 minutes I talk about succession one day. Uh, <laughs> that's but, your that's your crave, huh? I mean, it's just I just love that show. Um, yeah, and it's yeah, not a reinventing the wheel, just trying to do my own thing. And for people that liked my voice before, I suppose they'll enjoy it. For people who hated my voice, hopefully they'll listen as well. Either way, they're listening, and we'll see. And I don't want to have. Like, I don't want it to be one of those recycled car wash interviews where it's the same person you see on, like, a thousand podcasts. I would much rather talk to my friends in the business or businesses um, because I think they're more interesting and entertaining and funny, and, and hopefully people will agree with that. How, what do you think the sports business and entertainment industry has come? I mean, look, we, I think we're of the same age, but, you know, growing up with Sports Center and understanding the power of the personality. I'm a big Dan Patrick fan. Oh, absolutely. And watching, right, and, and obviously he's crushed it. I mean, he kind of laid the groundwork for owning his own. Like when um, he left, that was scandalous because people were like, what are you doing? Yeah, well, like, did, did he have a head injury? Was he in a car? Like, what happened? Why would you leave that, that gig? Why? Yep. And, and it seems from afar that we've learned some lessons that, 
the personality, the human is really, really important to the story, if not as important to the story that they're talking about on air. And we're seeing that play out. Do you have any perspective on that? But it, it just feels as if I don't even know if I care about the highlights anymore. I want to know what the Michelle Beatles think. I want to know, <laughs> you know, I want to know what the Ryan Russillos think or what a Bill Simmons thinks and allow the fandom to come in. Right. When his yeah. Red Sox lose, that's compelling to me. That that to me, it's like good TV. Right. It's good audio to hear a fan speak about their heartbreak. It feel you feel right. closer and closer and closer. It feels like we're getting closer and closer to the personalities that have been narrating this story for us for decades, obviously. So wh- is that good good for business? Is that more – does it make <laughs> it more question. challenging? Well, you know what? I think it depends. For me, it doesn't change anything because I didn't start out in an era where you weren't supposed to be a homer. Maybe I did, but I didn't know any better. I was ignorant. So I just was a homer, and that's just been the way I've done this the whole time. And I'm I'm very grateful that it was that way because I've seen it more and more. I've seen people – you know. Obviously, Simmons has been a homer since day one. There are certain writers and media people that we've known about. The other ones kind of had to hide themselves, and some still do, and they do a great job of it. But it's it's been – there are people that I'm more interested in hearing from than others. Um, and I think it's the authenticity that sort of draws me towards certain people. Because I'm on this side of it, I sometimes, like, look around and go, I, I, like, I don't care what that person has to say, and I'll never listen, and, and that's fine because plenty of other people will. But then there are others, you know, like, I always, I was always a Rosillo fan. I remember when we were figuring out Sports Nation changes, and I was like, oh, I'd love to host it with him. And I think the, the words that were used for him were, he wasn't peppy enough. <laughs> and I thought, well, yeah, like, he can't, that's not his thing. Like, not everyone's peppy. So it bummed me out because I, I do think he's really good at everything. Um and there's a there's just this weird hunger for it. Now, I do think there are times when the talking heads um, sort of make themselves a bit bigger and they sort of make themselves the story. I don't really care for that so much because a lot of times those that feels a little forced. But when it's a genuine heartbreak or elation or celebration, um, I'm all in. Like, I want to hear that because we're all just fans at the end of the day. And those are the ones that I listen. Like, I think Levitard's crew uh, is amazing. I think Pat McAfee's crew is like they're really sports fans i mean some have become degenerate gamblers and that has really kept me listening <laughs> because it's just awesome to listen to them lose um but it's yeah i i crave some of those thought processes and it's better than it used now there's just so many i think that's the thing too there's so many mouths out there speaking and you have to kind of navigate and find the ones that you like or care about let's talk about being a female entrepreneur and what responsibility you you feel or you don't or that you think that you might as time goes on? Because, of course, this is not this is not breaking news, right? You're in an industry that's been driven by folks that look like me and now carving a place right for, I think, women in sports and in pop culture in that regard. How do you how do you take that now in 2021? And how do you think about it when you think back to some of the the unfair criticism of the perspectives that you shared uh, right. nationally. Uh, we'll leave some names just sort of out of the discussion in that regard. Oh, no, I remember. Don't worry. I'm sure you do. Yeah. But just talk about that being, you know, think about young girls out there. I've got a very strong seven-year-old who wants to own an island or, or her own country someday. And right. And I think about how do we support how do we support young women in the expression of their voice? And I think there's nothing better as a parallel than in the, the media, right? The podcast industry, right? Exactly. It's powerful. Yeah, it's very, I mean, it's it's just a juggernaut. You know, it's, I've never set out to be just like 
the blathering, like, I'm a feminist, and I'm going to yell at everyone and preach because I know that doesn't work on me. And I know we live in this crazy, um, uber-sensitive moment. Everything that I have felt, whether I feel the same about everything now, I'm not sure. But in those moments, I genuinely felt those ways. And as far as being a woman, that's always going to be something that drives my perspective on everything. And it's a frustrating uphill battle sometimes when you try to have conversations with, you know, men that you respect, friends, family, whatever. And you realize that it's not, you know, the, the mouth breathing knuckle dragger that thinks this way. It's actually just this weirdly subconscious inherent way that I think we view females and males in society and, and especially business. People don't know they're doing it, but there is this expectation that men have and the expectation that women have. Um, and all I really want to do is just Throw that away. Like, I, I don't want to have to get to a point where we always have to talk about the first female this, the first female that. Like, I want it to be nothing. I just want it to be a normal. And I know I'm not naive. We're not there yet. But I do think it's important as women. I don't blanket support all women because I think that's a misconception. Not all women are fighting for the same cause, and that's fine. Um, but for me, it will be important that I really do my due diligence and really make an effort to find young, bright Preferably female voices, but honestly, I'm not, I don't want to just go out there and say that because I, I think that's part of the problem of where we are. I'm always going to support strong, great women. Um, I wish sometimes there had been more of that when I was coming up. You know, I can name on one hand the female executives that I have worked under. And so that has been something that is obviously very much a part of the industry. And I do think it's changing. I think people of color have changed a lot of sort of where we're going. And it's, some of it's happened quickly. Some of it's still not happening, um, and it's an uphill battle. But I know that, for me, I'm going to do my best to make sure. Like, I don't want to, like, have a meeting one day and look around and be like, oh, this room looks exactly like every other room of faces I've ever worked in. I think it's important to have different perspectives and different upbringings and different lives, everything. It all makes for a more well-rounded show. Um, now, I do watch shows that do look like everyone's the same, and I get it, and that's a thing. But for me personally, I'm going to do my best to, to try and – give a voice to those who don't necessarily have it. At the end of the day, that's all these platforms are about. When you speak out on something, it's not necessarily on your own behalf. It's on behalf of a bunch of people who will never have any audience. And so I'm going to do my best. I'm going to look for some strong chicks, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to make some news. That's my goal. <laughs> Headroom is produced by Old Soul, a one-stop marketing agency that understands the power of brand and nuance. Reach out to my guy Matt at Old Soul and supercharge your brand and content strategy. That's Old Soul. Shoot Matt a note at aoldsoul.com. That's A-O-L-D-S-O-U-L.com. And now, back to our guest. Can, can women in sports journalism have opinions? I mean, it, it feels like there is the what we want, what we put out there. And then we read all the stories and it's sort of the, you know, this, this Jenga experience of women in right. sports journalism that one thing happens and they can't have an opinion, and so we – what do we do? We just – it's not that it, – I don't know if it's the cancel culture. It, maybe that's part of it, but it doesn't feel authentic, right? And it does feel like oh, it right. does It does trickle down into society. You know, it's it's why am I upset when I see my 7-year-old again at soccer practice and a game, and instead of, like, practicing for the game, the coaches are having them play like duck, duck – like, why would <laughs> – they should be – but this is, you know what I mean, like this whole notion that, well, they're just girls. Like, they, they shouldn't right. practice and train like the boys. This right. whole notion that they can't have the same voice, they can't have the same position, they can't, you know, where are we with that? Can, can you I mean, actually look, at the have end an of opinion? The day, 
I love Adam Schefter, but he and I have caught the same number of Super Bowl touchdowns in our life. And so I always sort of laugh the idea. I mean, Stephen A. Smith, he's never played professional sports. Like, these are the big names. Now, that's breaking news, Michelle. That's breaking news. <laughs> yeah, well, don't tell him. But, uh, yes, as far as I know, he has never. Um, and so, it, you know, it's just I think when you're a female with opinions, the easy go-to is to just slash at my gender. Or, you know, you don't know anything. Get back in the kitchen. And none of it's creative at this point. I've heard it all. Um, it gets to, it goes it cuts to a more personal insult faster with women than I think it does with men. I mean, with, at the end of the day on Twitter, you can put anybody's name in there and there's enough hate for everyone. There's enough to go around. But it is always interesting that the women with the opinions seem to want to be cut down faster. When in reality, my opinion is based on the same number of years of fandom as the next man doing the same job who also never played professional sports. But for some reason, uh, we've accepted that opinion. And it's weird. You know, you go into a bar. I, 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 first of all, one of my favorite pastimes is to listen to people in bars talk sports, but you know that they don't know what they're talking. I had one the other day and it was, it was awesome. I just sat here and I was like, this is the greatest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just, a again, it's subconscious. I don't think there's maliciousness behind a lot of it. I do think some men just don't want to hear from women. That's fine. That's a different group. But I, I, I think just subconsciously we have these sort of roles that we've given people and slowly it's happening and we're getting out of it. Um, you know, more and more you see women doing so much more now. They're not just sideline reporters. They're doing everything. And for me, that was important because I knew when I started that the, the natural thing was going to be, I'm going to be a sideline reporter for the rest of my life. Nothing wrong with it. Um, just not what I like to do. And so that was my one guy. I had no plans. I just knew that I wanted to do as much as possible and not just one thing for the rest of this. And I think that's big steps have been taken. You see women sort of fronting panel shows or big events, and that was not a thing all the time. That is steps in the right direction. Um, but again, I think you need more producers. You need more executives. You need you just need more of all of it because it does play an effect. And people may not know that because it's behind the scenes. But I think once we get a little more female power in some of those rooms, it'll change a little bit the dynamic which I look forward to, and I hope it happens in my lifetime. <laughs> for the audience of entrepreneurs out there, um, what do you take from your career working for the company, the, right, <laughs> in that regard, um, when you think about now your role as an entrepreneur? And, yes, you're in collaboration, but your name is on the side of the stadium kind of a thing, right? You've got right. the naming rights here. So what lessons are you taking to help you chalk the field that might serve as your guidepost that might change over time? But right now, as we talk today – these are some of the lessons that you're bringing along that you think could be valuable to other entrepreneurs and other disciplines and sectors. For me, I think listening is a, is a really big part of it. I, I know that whenever we would launch new shows or be a part of some new ensemble of humans, um, the listening part of it was important. And I think now that my name is on it, it's really my job because you're not always listened to at the top and, and you know that, and you can tell by the way certain changes are made or things are moved around. Um, and I think that will be my most important duty will be to listen to people. Uh, I think the tendency is to think, well, I'm right. I know what I'm doing. My opinion is the most important. And so we're going to, no, I, I don't think that at all. Um, the thing about working for a giant corporation is there are a lot of rules uh, whether you like it or not. And some make sense. Some never will. That is what it is. There will definitely be a little bit of that because I am, of course, still under the umbrella of the athletic. But I really want people to be comfortable. I don't 
I'm not going to say there are no stupid questions. There are most definitely stupid questions. That is a lie we were told as children. Um, but I don't think there are really any stupid ideas because I want to try everything. I want people to want to try everything. If it works, great. If it doesn't, we don't do it again. And I want, for me, the biggest, most important thing is that whatever room this all takes place in, everyone feels comfortable enough to speak up, give an idea. It, you never know. You never know where the next great idea comes from. And I think arrogance sometimes probably squashes a lot of really cool things that we could have seen or could have had happen. We'll tell you that you are being success, that you are successful in this endeavor. Like, well, there, do you think there'll be a moment? Do you think there'll be a, an audience number of download? You know, I, sometimes I think some of that stuff is, it is what it is. Right. Right. Um, but no, you know what you I can know control. <laughs> you can't exactly. And like, and the thing I always look to is, you know, there are shows that get monster ratings that I think are garbage. And so I, it's hard for me to take that. Now, I know that in the podcast world, it is all about how many people are listening. Um, luckily, I'm dumb about it. And so I won't know necessarily right away. For me, it'll just be like, you know, month by month. Are we still go- getting time to go on the air? <laughs> are they still letting us put a podcast out? Are we still putting a new podcast out? Um, that'll be that'll be the biggest part to me. And and. Secondly to that is, is it still what we intended to do? Because I started so many new shows at different places and we always went in with, this is going to be amazing and different and exactly how we want. And the spirit of it eventually is just killed and it becomes something that looks very much like a million other things. And so if I hope to me, it will be whether or not a we're alive still um, and B we're actually still doing what we set out to do and not, slowly getting molded into something else. That'll be the two signs of, of success for me. And so talk a little bit about what's the format of the show. So I know you're going to bring on friends. You've talked about friends. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. What's, what's the format? Is it going to be weekly? Is it going to be something where you're, you know, you're, you're multiple times a week? What are you kind of looking at? What's the game plan? Yeah, we're going to launch it. Um, we're launching it mid-November 15th, and we're, we're doing three days a week. Um, for me, it will be, you know, when I say friends, it's like the Ramona Shelburne's of the world, Mean Al Hassan, like the guys that are uh, the experts in the sports world. But I also have friends that are amazing, funny comedians like Josh Wolf and Adam Ray and Andrew Santino. And some of these guys, if they hear this, will be like, oh, really? I'm doing that? And I'm like, yes, no, you are. I'll be calling. Um, <laughs> so, you know, just random. Like, I'm not a I'm not a schmoozer in the sense that, like, I don't want to just bring on a big name and pretend like we're best friends. Like, to me, that's not authentic and I wouldn't be interested in it. So I'm hoping that these are all people that know a lot about what they do in the worlds they live in, but they're also well-rounded monster sports fans, funny as hell, quick, uh, witty. You know, that's all I want. I, I'm, I'm hoping that I just get to have these great conversations three times a week and that other people find them interesting and will listen. And that to me will be the only podcasts I've ever listened to that are not that are not true crime and murder um, are the ones where the people having the conversations like each other. And I feel like I'm just sort of eavesdropping on a couple of people hanging out at a bar. Um, that's what I'm going for. And so the format will be we'll have one. Obviously, I've never really been good with um, sticking to some of those. The, the joke's always been that when they when they have the rundown for every show, they're like, you want a copy of the rundown? I'm like, no. You just get in my ear and tell me when we're going to break. It'll be fine. And so that's the thing. But Dave Goodwin, who's the, the guy from the original Sports Nation, he knows that. And so we're going to try to keep it as loose as possible, um, but also stick to a format so that other people will feel confident and comfortable in what we're doing. <laughs> because I know that worries some. And <laughs> I get it. Michelle, let's, let's close with this. If you're stepping back and you're thinking about your career and kind of where you are, what is this time period? And I mean, if you had to put a label on it, I mean, it, it feels like it's, 
I don't know if it's a new beginning, if it's a next. Like, what is this for you right now? Because I get the sense just, look, not everybody's, they're going to be reading this. They may be listening to it. They may not be watching it. But yeah. there's this energy about you that feels like you are as excited about this. And it, there's a lot of unknowns where yeah. in the past you, yeah. you maybe had more of a path that was defined for you. But I get a sense of confidence and actually you're at ease. So I don't know what you would, how you would sort of conceptualize this period of time in your life. I mean, I guess it's a, you know, to be cheesy, it's a, it's almost certainly a new chapter, maybe even a second book. Um, I know that my, what drives me is different. Um, I was very much in that whole rat race and, you know, the scoreboard in that world was money. And so you wanted to be the top of that. And that was, that meant you were successful and blah, blah, blah. And like, I had a great run and I'm grateful for all of it. And it's afforded me a chance to sort of step back and take a breath and figure out what I want to do. And that I'm beyond, I feel very lucky for that. And so part of that has been this time. um, I want to do things that I want to do. I want to do things that are fun. Uh, I want to surround myself with people that I like that are not shady to say the least. Um, And hopefully, as a result of that, it will come across in whatever format it is, and people will sort of embrace that and want to consume it. But it's just a different – I'm not driven by the same stuff I was driven before. Like, I I want to do a job, and I want to do a great job, but I also want to continue to have a life and have time with my family and friends and my dogs, and I never really prioritized that before. And so it's all – I think there's time for all of it now, and that's that's my goal is to do my job but not let it consume me – the way I felt it did at times in my previous chapter. <laughs> I guess we'll call it a chapter. That makes life just seem so much longer, doesn't it? It <laughs> does. It, <laughs> it absolutely does. Well, look, I think you're going to do a fantastic job. Your personality comes through even just in our discussion here. So whether it's audio or visual, I think you're going to knock it out of the park. It sounds like a great partnership with The Athletic. And like I said earlier, the people, even in Spurs Nation, um, <laughs> in San Antonio, are, have welcomed you with open arms. And I think the rest of the sort of the sports world for sure Will, and look forward to the conversations. We've been chatting with Michelle Beadle. She's got her new podcast, What Did I Miss with Michelle Beadle, the first offering on the Beadle Podcast Network with The Athletic. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. Thanks for taking the plunge into Headroom, where we uncover the why behind the what and who impacting our lives. Headroom is a production of Rainlight and co-produced by our friends at Old Soul. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and this is Headroom. Headroom.